Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to make realistic improvements in their lives and reach their goals, however big or small. We are building a community of men and women who love to push themselves to overcome obstacles and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. I'm quick to say I don't think technology is evil or bad. I don't yeah. want to demonize it. It's part of our lives, so we should make it part of our lives and our children's lives, but do it in a way that we know we can remove ourselves from it and it not feel empty, you know, and be able to disconnect from it and and really keep in perspective that our lives are the material people around us, not the not the technology and not the world that is online. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening in. What you just heard was a little snippet from a conversation I had with Kim Christensen, and you'll be hearing her throughout this podcast as well as some other voices that I'll tell you about in a moment. Just so you know, in the background, I do have my fan going and my dryer so my boys don't wake up during their nap time. So I apologize if if that's a little distracting, but otherwise we're going to be hearing a lot of little voices in the background. So today is my more informal monthly podcast that I am doing on a topic that has been on my mind. Today's topic is technology. And every time I hear that word technology, I think about that Napoleon Dynamite song. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. The I love technology, not as much as you, you see, but I still love technology always and forever. Oh no, you're not here for the vocal talents, but... I just love that song. It's been stuck in my head for the last two months as I've been preparing this podcast. So let's talk about technology, guys. When I was in eighth grade, my tech teacher uh, told us a story while the power was out one day. He 
He said, imagine one day we will all have these little boxes. And in these boxes will be our computers, our maps, our email, our music, our television. Everything will be in those little boxes that we carry around with us. And when he said that, I mean, I couldn't get over that. I thought he was way far into the future is what he was looking at. And we're there. We're totally there. And it came so quickly. And those little, those little boxes control so much of our lives. There's so much good in them, but there's so much bad. So (laughs) that's what we're going to talk about. How can we use technology and not abuse it? Before I launch in, let me introduce you to those guest voices that I told you you'll be hearing today. You will hear from Kim, Kim Christensen, and you'll also be hearing from Jamie Cook. Both of these ladies have been talking about their own work on their technology use, and I have loved what they have had to say about it, so I wanted to hear more straight from them. Kim wrote a whole blog post on it, and I laughed as I read it a month ago because it was basically the draft I was working on for this podcast. So something's in the air, you guys. People are really thinking about this, talking about this. There's a lot of research on it. There's a lot of um, articles and books and podcasts. I do have some resources for you to look through. One of them is uh, Kim's post. It's a very good post. So I have that in the show notes for you. And I've also linked um, Jamie and Kim's profiles so you can check them out. So we're going to talk about more of those resources in a little bit, but I want to tell you a little bit of my own struggle with it so you can see where I'm coming from. This is not coming from someone who has this down, and it's not coming from someone who feels like she doesn't ever struggle with this. Um, so I personally, I have an addictive personality. I know this about my myself. My entire life, I've been really good at getting distracted by things that don't matter instead of doing what I needed to get done. So even from a young kid, I mean, I'd read books or climb trees, um, watch TV. I'd be up all hours of the night instead of doing what I needed to do. I'm just really good at fiddling and being a dilly dabbler is what we called it in my family. And my dad usually turned off my light on his way out to work um, almost every morning because I was up fiddling around all night. So in the teenage years, we had some new technology. We had instant messaging, AOL, and for me, MuggleNet, for you obsessed Harry Potter fans out there like me. And, you know, those were so easy to get distracted on and and to procrastinate with. So in into the college years, my freshman year is when Facebook came out. And It was brand new, but I knew myself and I knew that it would be a terrible thing for me to sign up for because I already got lost on the internet wormhole over, even though there was like nothing to see on the, on the internet at the time, just random articles or I don't know what I was even looking at now, but I didn't get Facebook until my very last semester when Brad and I were engaged long distance and it was just a a nice way for us to post pictures and all that because we didn't have smartphones and, um, I mean, I don't know if anybody did at that point. We felt cool for having a Razor phone that I had for like five years. So early years of marriage, my go-to way to procrastinate or waste time did become Facebook and blogs. It almost became a tick of mine whenever I was trying to get through some stress um, of finishing my teaching program and then on to when I was preparing lessons when I was a middle school teacher and then grading millions of papers that were always there and I recognized that it was becoming habitual and it was also becoming something that I was doing without even realizing I was doing it and just wasting time so I set guidelines probably like mm, maybe seven years ago for myself that I wouldn't read blogs until the weekends and I wouldn't read Facebook at all. And that, that worked for a while. That worked for several years. And so, you know, there was that one uh, way to procrastinate through technology. Brad and I didn't even have texting for years because we were too cheap. Um, and our phones entertained people thoroughly because they basically did nothing at all. <laughs> but even two years ago, um, we decided it was time to get smartphones and we had resisted it for a long time. 
And one of the big reasons was because, again, I know myself. I know that addictive side to me. I knew it could become a problem for me really quick if I didn't keep it in check. So when we finally did join the rest of the world and got those smartphones, I set some rules for myself to be one of those women who I didn't want to be one of those women who always had her eyes on her phone. And, you know, I have been through waves of doing a great job of that. But I've also been through waves where, you know, I'm not I'm not good at it. And there's been a lot of scenarios that I think we can all be familiar with. You know, like you get on your phone to look at your calendar and 15 minutes later, you realize that you forgot what you were on there for, or you're on your computer to do something and every three seconds you're distracted by an article or another website. And there's always a ton of tabs open. You have your kids trying to shout at you to get your attention. You're sitting across the room from a family member and not interacting at all. Um, You have this tick to check your phone every time you pull up to a stoplight or when you have to wait in line for a few minutes, you have a pull whenever you put up, open your phone to go directly to your favorite app. Even if you haven't done what you needed to, you're scrolling until you fall asleep or you're staying up late because you can't sleep and scrolling, you're reading articles instead of that book on your nightstand. And maybe you have that desire to document every three seconds that's going on. So all those scenarios have a common thread to them, I think, and it's that pull. There's this pull, pull, pull from technology, and we are all guilty of dealing with that pull, regardless of whether or not we have a quote unquote social media presence. My friend Jamie talked about this pull, so let's hear what she had to say about that. Oh, well, it just it just really reveals like what an addict I am normally, I guess. There's first of all, there's sort of like always this at least for me, there's there there's this impulse to like check something right and half the time yeah. what I'd find is I would I would need to check my phone for something something legitimate like mm-hmm. oh what's the weather gonna be how should I dress my kids and then all of a sudden 17 minutes later I'm like scrolling still scrolling through Instagram mm-hmm. and I haven't even checked the weather I'm yes. like wait what am I even <laughs> on my phone for you are not <laughs> alone there there is no judgment <laughs> here like you are not alone Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. But I mean, it really is sort of like the ultimate rabbit hole where you just get Mm -hmm. sucked in deeper and deeper. Another scenario came up when I was talking to both Kim and Jamie. We've noticed this thing with our kids that if they're watching something or doing something on a device, even if it's educational, even if they haven't been doing it for a long time. But when we turn off that device or that that show, our kids are angry and become volatile and just different little people that it's always like, hey, what are you doing? Don't react that way. But if we're being honest, we do the same thing. Maybe not as like tantrumy, but have you ever snapped at a loved one who is interrupting something important that you're doing, even if it's scrolling through Instagram? Have you noticed that maybe the more time you're on technology, the harder it is to be a good parent or a good spouse or brother and sister. I mean, I've noticed that in my own life. The more time I'm using, I'm on my device, the snappier of a mom I am, the less patient I am. The pull is that strong. It's that real. Regardless of what our intentions are and the parameters we place on our use of technology, we live in an age where technology is powerful for good and for bad. But let me just make it clear. I I do believe in that capacity for good. Obviously, the wonders of technology, they've produced so much for our entire world, and it's undeniable. There are even, uh, there's even goodness in our smartphones and social media. I've been able to keep in touch with so many cousins and friends I never had before. I've been able to share photos of my kids, listen to music and podcasts and the news. I can access my husband at any moment and know where he is in case something happens to him. And I can search for answers wherever I am. I can always find my way if I get lost. Even as a mom, I have found a lot of goodness in technology. My friend Kim spoke on that. So here's what she said about that. I think that Instagram and social media is a positive thing for moms because it's a way for us to feel connected and to stay in touch and to see that other moms are struggling with things too. 
So that importance, that, that can't be discounted. But on the flip side, we have to admit that these, way that we, these ways that we stay connected to each other, Facebook, Instagram, blogs, Snapchat, all of that, they're literally designed to suck us in. They have a large capacity for bad. And Kim spoke more on that flip side for the mothers. But then it, on the other side of the coin, it can quickly become a source of comparison and feeling not enough. So it's just getting to a place in your mind, in your life, where you feel good about yourself and your life and making your own goals so that when you do scroll through and you do interact, you're in a place where you won't instantly go to jealousy or comparison, but you'll be able to find the things that are good Mm -hmm. instead of um, it being a negative thing. So obviously our mindset has so much to do about the effect that these things have on us. Jamie talked about this conversation she had with her friend about this mindset and how usually that's the most important thing about uh, how you try to control your use of technology and what you get out of it. Here's what she said. Yeah, so my friend Ashley and I, we were talking and and. We were just, you know, having the social media conversation that I think so many of us from our generation are having repeatedly. And I was just saying, you know, I I found that for myself, at least, I, I scroll through social media and like look on Instagram the most when I'm feeling like down, depressed, lonely, bored. And I post the most when I'm feeling like the happiest, the most alive, the most invigorated. Mm-hmm. Um so it's something that I have to keep myself in check and also remember that other po- people are posting usually when they're feeling great about life and not when they're feeling down about life. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's just good to recognize that sometimes we we don't really know what our intentions are getting on. And if yeah. you don't have if you don't have a reason to get on, I think it can turn into a place where you are feeling worse and worse about yourself because there's so much good to compare yourself to. Oh yeah, it's just and it does when you're not feeling great in general. Um, there, there's you're not going to find anything on there that's going to make you feel better. Generally, at mm. least you know. I guess I'm speaking for myself. I, there's there's rarely, if ever, something I find that's going to somehow boost my mood, mm-hmm. make me feel better about myself, rarely. And yet so often, even when we're in those those moments of having a, a poor mindset getting on our devices, we get sucked into that, those comparison traps of feeling ba- uh, worse about ourselves, and it's real. So let me talk about some of those resources I had mentioned. There's Kim's blog post. Again, you really should read through that. She has some great tips. Um, there's other ones. Jamie introduced me to this one about the millennial generation and our addiction to technology. And it's an interview with an expert named Simon Sinek. And he talks about what they are naming the millennial question and how our addiction to technology is affecting our personal lives and our work lives and how it's a huge problem. It's long, but I highly recommend listening to it. It snaps you out of things. It makes you rethink how you use technology and whether or not you are addicted. Uh, Kim referenced this resource in her post as well. I've included it in the show notes. And around the same time as uh, watching this YouTube video, I listened to a Fresh Air podcast. And this is the first podcast I ever subscribed to years ago. So I love Fresh Air. The author that was interviewed on the show that day was Adam Alter. He studies the effects of technology. Um, he wrote a book called Irresistible. And it, and it talks about the consequences of living in such a digital age. Kim referenced this podcast too. And again, I was laughing because like, Kim, we are on the same brainwave. I mean, we're thinking about the same things. And I think you are too. Here's some of the alarming things that he said. First, our, our attention span is less now than the attention span of a goldfish. There are rehabs all over the world that are there for helping people getting over their very real addictions to technology. And he went through some examples on that. People who were higher achievers and became addicted to certain things on technology and it truly did ruin their lives. Um, 
He talks about virtual reality goggles and how that's going to be the next thing to take over and the threat that poses to our society. He also explains how they have studied people's minds as they set up World of Warcraft and how their brain scans are the same as the brain scans of heroin addicts as they are preparing for their next hit. So for me, I got alarmed with that. And I recognized some of that pull he was saying, that that brain scan, I'm like, oh, I can see that in me. And I do know I'm not the only one. Kim and Jamie also shared how they realized when they needed to make a change. First, I want to hear from Kim. She shares what her life was looking like and how she recognized she didn't like how she was using um, or actually abusing technology. I would say a year ago, that's when I started my blog and a public social media account on Instagram. And it took me, and I'm still learning, took me a while just to get my balance there and to figure out how much time I needed to spend on it Mm -hmm. to grow an audience and how much I'm willing to spend on it. I mean, to an extent, I'm realizing I'm not actually willing to spend (laughs) very much time on it because it does affect my family. It affects my mood. I also saw myself looking at my life through the lens of Instagram, for example. And I saw a moment and instead of, you know, being in it, I was like, oh, how can I make this look cool to share on Instagram? Yikes. You know, I mean, and that's okay. I mean, it's okay to do that. Just not all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to think of other things I noticed. I just, yeah, just time when I really started tracking how much time I was spending on social media I just thought of all the hours I could have used instead of scrolling through or even even doing productive things. But I just add those hours up and I think, man, well, I have a book I want to finish. I have Mm -hmm. some writing I need to improve on. I I want to do, I want to bake more with my kids and I want to do more activities with them. But I just always feel because our phones are always in our pockets, like, and they're always there, I always feel that constant pull to it. And Mm -hmm. that's tricky. It's something our parents didn't really have to deal with to that extent, you know. Jamie realized this through the lens of parenthood too. Here's what she had to say about how her kids helped her see that she wasn't liking how she was using technology. This whole raising kids with technology is like, we're like the first generation that's even had to figure out how to do this, especially Mm -hmm. more than anything, the social media type thing and, um, and just smartphones and I mean, I'm not going to lie. My kids have said to me, Mom, you're always on your phone. Mom, remember you were going to try and not look at your phone so much? Mm. And I for sure do not want my kids when they're teenagers and they have phones to be looking at their phones the way I look at mine. Mm -hmm. And so I need to get that in control. And I don't want them to look back at their childhood and when they have memories of me to always picture me looking at my phone with the glowing light reflecting off my face. Yeah. So it, 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 it motivates me to, okay, let's get this. Let's get a handle on this. I loved Jamie's willingness to share that part of her. Cause that's, I mean, everybody's been there, but it's embarrassing to admit that. And that's been the case for you. So what would it look like for you? What does that poll look like? When do you see that you need to get things in check? I have two more snippets from these ladies, first from Kim again, and then from Jamie, about when you can recognize that it's time. It's time to take some steps to figure out how to use technology for good and how to stop the the bad side of it. It becomes apparent when I'm not able to control my phone usage. If Mm -hmm. it gets to a point where I feel like I am just habitually picking it up and I notice in my family that I'm that I'm spending more time on it and feeling like oh that's my world I got to be there if I'm feeling that pull more than with my family I've got to take a step back because obviously I'm not in a place where I can like control (laughs) my my usage on it and so I need to take a break and reset so I think that's kind of how I gauge it I was listening to a podcast I think it was a Gretchen Rubin podcast, and she said, um, our devices, when your device shifts from becoming 
a great servant and it becomes a terrible taskmaster instead, that's when you know you need to get things in check. Hmm. And when I heard that instantly, I was like, yeah, my, 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 my device that instead of it serving me, I'm serving it at this point. Hmm. And so that's where I knew like, okay, let's flip this around. Let's get things straight again. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Again, that was first Kim and then Jamie. Such wise indicators for when we need to take that step back they mentioned. I'm going to I'm going to share more about some of the things they said that they actually do in a little while along with uh, my own tips. So, you know, I admitted to you that I can get caught in those traps easily as well. But I, I also have to say that in general, I do a decent job of not letting technology rule my life. You know that I love Instagram. That's actually my favorite social media. But I'm actually terrible at playing the Instagram game and getting a ton of followers by spending the time it takes to grow quickly. Like Kim had mentioned, I'm, I'm just not willing to take that time. I actually hate Facebook. And I usually only get on there to post my latest blog post or podcast. And I might scroll for maybe 30 seconds, but then I get off. It's not really a temptation to me anymore. And I have no problem not having the Facebook app on my phone. And I could easily do away with that whole platform in general. I still love blogs, but I don't do my only check blogs on the weekend anymore because they just don't have that addictive draw to me like they used to. I check them occasionally and I just go right to the blogs blogs I know I want to read and then I move on and I get on to something else uh, that I need to do or want to do um, with my family. So games have zero interest for me. YouTube isn't something I get lost on. And for the most part, I don't ever have phones at the table when we eat. And I don't usually look at mine while my kids are around me. Again, I'm not perfect, but I do a decent job of trying to be on top of that pole. I still have plenty of room for improvement. Plenty. And I'll share some of that later with our challenges and what I'm going to challenge myself on. The rest of this podcast are my two cents on how to resist that pull, how to keep it in check, and how to manage our use of it. So our use of technology is positive and uplifting and benefiting us rather than the technology being our taskmaster. There will be a few more excerpts from my little chats with Kim and Jamie, as well as some advice from another old interviewee of mine, Meg Miles. And she mentioned this in our interview together, actually. If you want to look back at her interview, I have that in our in our um, show notes. But you can also check out her uh, page, which I also have in the show notes, because her Instagram page has a lot of posts on this about some of her advice. So here is my overall advice. This is the foundation to what I have to say about how to manage technology, how to use it, not abuse it. And it's this, put it in its place, put it in its place. So let's start with physically, physically put technology in its place by having a spot in your home where your phone resides. That's not your back pocket. (laughs) Leave it in that spot as much as you can throughout the day so you can resist that pull. And you might still get caught in those times where you still feel it. But when it's not in your pocket, you, you recognize, oh, I was just reaching for my phone. It's not there. And 
I don't need to be on it right now. For me, my spot is a bookshelf in my family room, and I do my best to keep it there at night. Meg Miles mentioned that she and her husband have a cradle for their cell phones at night, so they put their phones to bed at night. They have a spot that is not by their beds, docked um, in your car. Have a spot where you won't be tempted to reach for it when you're at a stoplight. And I would say never check them at a spotlight. We can wait 20 seconds for a light to change. It's not worth it. So keep it in your bag or out of reach. And, you know, Kim mentioned that she tracks her usage. And that's a good way to physically put your technology use in place is by having an app that helps you manage exactly where you are spending your time on your devices. And the one she recommended was Moment. And that's M-O-M-E-N-T. I haven't used that myself, but I'm really intrigued by it. I want to give Jamie a chance to share what she and her husband did to physically put their phones in their place and how it has truly revolutionized their lives. Around the new year, I started just feeling like this thing is um, depriving me of time with my husband. It's, it's making it harder to go to bed at a normal time because my brain is so wired. So I'm like checking, checking. Mm-hmm. And Dan and I would keep our phones on our nightstands. As I think many of us charge our phones right there. We use our phones as a clock, as an alarm clock. And, yeah. um, and we want you know, we want to be alerted if there's an emergency or something. And so we have our phones right there. And um, so Dan and I, my husband and I decided at for our New Year's resolution that we would dock our phones downstairs in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sounds pathetic, but no, I was just going to really, say that's been, harder than it sounds. It's harder than it sounds. Yeah. But it has been completely revolutionary. So really? well, we've been, we're four months into the year so far. And we've pretty much, I, there's just been maybe one or two days where we haven't stuck to it. But for the most part, we've been really diligent about docking them downstairs. And what we found is we started going to bed earlier. We started re- reading more. We started having better conversations. We started just in general, it kind of changed. It really kind of changed everything, to be honest. We just yeah. felt more peace, more calm, less of that, like, frenzied mind that I'd get like where things are just like spinning around and there's always a feeling that I need to respond to something or check something or there's just that impulse that comes when we're on screens a lot and and turning that down putting the phones downstairs letting ourselves sort of like unwind at the end of the night has been a really positive thing for us doesn't that sound so worth it that's something that I need to work on it's always by my bed it's always next to my head when I put my head on my pillow and it's my husband's side too. So we've talked about this like 20 times and I think it's time to finally do it. So I'm really glad that you would share what a positive change that has been in your lives. The second way to put technology in its place is to put it in its place mentally and emotionally. So when you reach for that phone and you feel the pull, ask yourself why? When you see yourself lifting it up to your eyes, ask yourself, why am I getting on here? And if you know why, then keep that in your mind when you get on and do what you need to do or want to do. If you need a mental break, if you need time to just veg out and and scroll through your favorite app, that's okay. But to know that going into it makes a huge difference than when you just habitually pick it up and scroll through. I did this the other time, um, the other day last week, I just had had a really long day with my kids and I needed, I needed a moment. I just needed a moment to do nothing that my responsibilities needed me to. I knew that I was on the edge and I was getting stressed out and I could see myself becoming a really mean mom if I didn't take like 10 minutes to myself. So when the boys went down for their naps or one of them with their pretend nap and I told my daughter, I need you to have a really good quiet time. Can you please give me 15 minutes and mama's going to lay down on the couch and I'm just going to lay here and be on my phone for a little bit. And when I did that and I had that time limit, I, I did get rejuvenated. I get what I wanted out of it. But when I accidentally have found myself on my phone and just scrolling and I'm like, oh, wait, what was I on here for? My kids are around me trying to get my attention. That feels awful. That doesn't feel right. 
my phone isn't in its place. It's in control. So that's one way I would say is to be intentional about what you are on your phone for. Kim spoke on that, and then I have a little more on this topic after. Are you emotionally and mentally in a good place to go through, go to your phone and go to social media um, to where you're going to get something positive from it? Or is it just going to drag you down? Because it can do that so quickly. So I think just being intentional about your phone usage and having a purpose, Mm -hmm. having a limit, and then getting off. Have you ever tried that, setting a limit? I mean, like we said, it's okay. It's okay if you need that emotional break, but being intentional makes all the difference. Kim and Jamie both brought this up too. Mentally and emotionally, think about what you want your loved ones to think about you when they remember you. Do you want them to remember you being on their fo- your phone and being impatient and distracted? No. And that's what I think about when I've noticed those phases where I'm forgetting to put my phone in its physical place and I'm forgetting to put it in its emotional and mental place. Another uh, thought under this category, it can wait. So even if you want to take a picture in the moment, that's wonderful. Take that picture of your kid doing something so cute that they might never do again or amazing or to record a beautiful vision you're seeing on top of a mountain. I mean, take that photo. But to post it, it can wait. Wait till later. The way that looks for me is if I'm seeing myself habitually being on too much or worrying too much about what I've posted and and checking on it too much or wanting to post something and my kids are around, I decide it can wait. And I do it when they are either napping or doing quiet time or or in bed for the night. So enjoy those moments. Try to record them, but wait to post them. And this is something that I'm noticing I need to work on more lately. I've been, there's been times I've been really good at this. And this is something I'm trying to once again, reinstate in how I go about using and posting and worrying about what I post and looking at my stats for my latest podcast episode that is airing. I can wait. I can wait till my kids are doing something else or, and, and do it when it's not interfering with their lives. Another time when it can wait, when you have to wait, (laughs) if you're in line somewhere, if you are waiting at a stoplight, like we talked about, if you're waiting at a restaurant, if you're waiting for someone to pick you up, like whatever, the phone can wait. I mean, take a few minutes to breathe, to look around you, to not be so uncomfortable, not fiddling and doing something. It's, It's a wonderful feeling to just look at people in the post office line and kind of just do a little nod and think about your day and think about what you need to think about instead of just suddenly thinking, oh, I need to suddenly, I need to look at my, my phone. You don't need to, it can wait. And you know, when you decide to take it out to read a book, there you go. That's something purposeful that I think that's always a great thing. So when the phone is still in your way, I have things for you. When you get those moments that Kim and Jamie talked about, when you see yourself habitually taking it out, when your kids are asking for your attention, when your relationships are suffering, when you are up at night, when your mind is frazzled, when you are struggling to even come up with a reason for being on your phone and it's still taking your time, I have some advice for you. So let's move on to these tips, okay? Some real takeaways that we can do. One is to give yourself breaks. They can be small ones. You can just time it. Say two hours, I'm not going to be on my phone at all. If you're going to go on a walk with your kids, leave at home. They can also be longer when you notice that pull is very habitual and that you're checking things like a tick. Maybe you can take a break from a certain app, take it completely off your phone. Take a few days sabbatical from all social media if you need like a hardcore complete break. Um, consider taking breaks completely from social media, period. I have uh, six siblings and five of those six aren't on social media at all. And I mean, they don't have Facebook accounts or Instagram accounts. And that one who does, she's barely ever posting on there. And they're such great examples to me because they just know it's not even worth it 
to have that in their mind and wasting their time. And if that's what you ultimately decide, then good for you. Maybe now's the time to take it out of your lives completely. And if not, decide what is worth your time. Some of it may be worth your time, but even those ones that are worthwhile, you might need a break from them. And for me, I usually make that Sunday, but um, sometimes that still gets in the way there too. So again, this is something that I'm trying to focus on. Let's hear what Kim says about taking a break. For me, I take a day off every week um, to not even get on it at all. Mm-hmm. And that just helps me stay in check and renew my perspective and, and remind myself that I don't need to be on it every day. In addition to that, I do take breaks here and there. They might be a day, they might be a few days, they may be, you know, um, just whatever I feel like I need at the time. So little breaks here and there like that also are good. Um, sometimes the logging out of my Instagram account helps me to not not go to it. Mm-hmm. I'm just logging out. And then just being conscious about it. Sometimes I'll leave my phone at home on purpose when we're going out on a walk or I'm going on a date with my husband or you know, going out to do something as a family, I'll just leave it home. So I don't have that urge to check it. And it helps me be more present. So great, Kim. Thank you for sharing that. In addition to taking breaks, I would say monitor who you are following. Monitor what you are wasting your mental energy on, on all those social media uh, apps. So unfollow, go through who you are following and unfollow anyone who you find yourself obsessing over or comparing yourself to or feeling jealous of. And these people, they don't need to be in your head, regardless of their own intentions. I mean, maybe they aren't trying to make you feel bad. Maybe they're not trying to be showy or in your face. Maybe someone on your Facebook page isn't trying to bother you with all their political commentary. But you know, that's up to you how much time you are willing to allow them to have in your life and how much space you're allowing them to have in your mind. So go through and unfollow or uh, maybe even block some people. You can do that privately on Facebook so you're still friends, but you just don't get what's happening on their feed. I've done that so many times. And Make Miles talked about this on, on Instagram stories. She, she's, she challenged people to go through and unfollow people. And she said, and if I don't make you feel good, unfollow me. And I loved that. And related to that, when you are on social media, only look at the people who you want to see. So you don't have to scroll. You don't have to scroll. If you want to check up on a friend, go and look for them. When I got on my Instagram, I rarely scroll. I I just don't really have the mental energy for it anymore. It's weird how I have found this. I just, I don't have the mental energy to scroll anymore. I'd rather just go through and and maybe scroll for like 30 seconds when I have that break. But usually it's that I go out and look for people specifically and read through some of their latest posts. Um, that's what works for me. So being purposeful about what you're ingesting and who you're allowing to be a part of your mental life is really important. Now we are at my, my final tip, my final takeaway. This is the best thing you can do to help manage your social media technology use. It's this, fill up your life with goodness. If you find yourself scrolling endlessly, if you are numb, sad, or even angry, it's time to think about what you are doing to get fulfillment out of your life. This applies to everyone, whether you are working or not are a parent, a spouse, or neither of those. What are you doing in your life that is filling up your time and your heart? These things aren't necessarily easy all the time or even stressless things. They can be both of those. But these are things that fill up your life and give you meaning and joy and purpose and goals. And when you do those things, You don't have the time to waste it on things that are filling up your life with this negativity or even just apathy. I know I have mentioned how hard this podcast can be and the great amount of work it and the blog are for me. They can be stressful. 
But my life is richer and fuller because of these things. And because I am filling my life up with my family and, and with these passions of mine, I don't have time to be idle. I have more purpose. I can still do things for myself and take steps back as needed. And other parts of my life have taken a backseat, like having a clean house all the time and putting away the laundry. But having these things has really fulfilled me. I believe in the book, Big Magic, she talks about how to figure out what those passions can be for you, or even things that aren't like huge passion projects, even just hobbies and ways for you to get joy out of your life. So she talks about thinking about what you did when you were 10 years old and to think about what you loved to do when you were young and to do that. For me, that's climbing trees, drawing, and reading books. So while I have my passion projects, I also need my passion hobbies. And this is the thing that I want more of. I want more of that connecting in nature and being creative and artistic and reading, reading books. Things that are outside of my responsibilities and my little ventures. So you need both. I think everyone benefits from a little creativity. I didn't used to think I was creative. I used to just think I was the OCD type. But I have learned only recently this past year that I actually am. What is something creative that you can bring back in your life or spend a little more quality time on? And besides those things, the most important way to fill up your life, and I'm sorry you can hear my kids in the background, is to fill it with what you really want. And usually that's the tangible things, present moments with your family, your children, and your friends, good books, music, good shows. Put those things first. And when you do that, these these things that are time suckers are not really that beneficial. Just take their spot in the back seat. So I want to hear what Kim said about this. Put the most important things first and the rest will fall into place. So with technology, if you're, you know, if you're doing what's more important, which I think most of the time is spending time with your family and, and maybe doing a little activity with them or, or taking them somewhere fun, then naturally you're not going to have a bunch of time to waste on technology. Oh yeah. Uh So it's just like filling your time purposefully with those other more important things and naturally you you just won't have to worry about it as much because you're focusing on that that really is the biggest takeaway for me fill up your life with goodness just know this is a long road this is something that we need to constantly evaluate and figure out how we're doing and to take different measures at different times And it's going to ebb and flow. So take heart in that. It's going to be a constant thing for us because our our parents didn't have to deal with this problem like we do. And we're raising a generation that it will always be there. So let's evaluate and take heart and know it will be a constant thing we have to pay attention to. I know this was, again, a lot to chew on and you're hearing a lot of noise because of my fan and my kids who didn't manage to take those naps (laughs) like they were supposed to and it's kind of ironic that I'm trying to give this whole spiel on how to control technology and be present with your kids when you can hear mine screaming in the background but you know sometimes this is how it has to be and I get that too and I want you to know I understand sometimes we have things that we have responsibilities and sometimes you have that odd day that it just has to come quickly and then move on with your life and this is one of those times for me So I know that this was a lot to chew on, but I would like to spend all of the next month, May, on this, on getting control on how we use technology. And I'm going to do that by giving you a weekly challenge that is technology-based and that relates to the tips that we've been sharing the last half of this podcast. So when I give a challenge, I'll announce it each Saturday And I'll try to remind uh, you about it um, throughout the week. 
And what I want, I want to see what you are doing with that challenge. And I want to see your feedback on how it's working for you in your life. And I got this idea from Make too. She was giving us some fun challenges and I loved that idea. And I want to do that with this technology in mind. So let me tell you what our first challenge will be. And I'm going to keep the challenges simple, okay? The first challenge for the first week of May is to put your phone in its physical place. For you, I want it to be you choosing a spot in your home for your devices to rest during the day and a cradle or a spot for them to rest at night. And when you decide what spot that is, take a picture of your spot and direct message it to me or email it to me. I'll be sharing your pictures on my own social media accounts and on my blog as well. And I'll be sharing what you say. I want to hear the difference it makes in your life. So if you feel that difference, please tell me about it. You can tag me in a post by doing about progress podcast as a hashtag. You can direct message me or email me. My contact information is in the show notes for you. Let's make this something that spreads for everybody. This challenge to get control over how we are using technology. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening in and thank you for ignoring all the sound problems. And I still hope you take away from it what I was hoping and what I've been gearing up for for a couple months with this topic in mind. Next week, I have such a fun interview for you. It's with Katie Oldham. She is from the Beauty Bureau and she will be here to talk about how she is a very talented makeup artist, but she's talking about what she's been through in her life that led her to this path of being a makeup artist and how she has learned to cultivate happiness in her life. And you can see that in anything you follow with her. She, she, she likes to spread happiness and joy and, and she has many gifts and talents that uh, we explore with her. So I'd love for you to stick around next Wednesday to hear her. And so I will see you next Wednesday. And until then, take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.